You are listening to Checkbox Outreach, a podcast that showcases excellence and raises awareness of current issues from those who are directly impacted, but typically not at the table. Now, here are your hosts, Aaliyah Gaskins and Katie Leonard. Aaliyah, we are 11 episodes in and no time like the present to really dive right in and discuss what we've learned what our takeaways are, and what this overall checkbox outreach experience has been for us. I'm just excited. Like I won 11. I'm a big hippie and 11 is really powerful angel numbers with the double ones. So everybody should look into that. So I think it's the perfect time. I agree. I'm sitting here because I know you can see me and I keep like clapping and (laughs) smiling and raising my hand in the air. I am just so excited to be a part of this and to be on this journey with you. And People keep asking me, like, Aaliyah, how did the podcast come about? How did you guys decide to do this? And I think the truth is, you said, we need to do something. And this is the most spontaneous I have ever been in my life. So if I think about what I've learned and what this experience has meant to me, it has really solidified that there's always going to be more to learn. There's always going to be more research, more things to read. But at some point, you have to act. you got to take a risk and try something new. And in doing that, I have learned so much. I've met really cool people. I feel like when the doors open up and I can go outside again, I have 11 new friends to go have happy hour with. But I'm just pushing myself to a space of it is okay to be more spontaneous and to put yourself out there and be vulnerable. Um, And that's what this podcast has created space for me to do. One of the funniest things that have happened, though, when you talk about people not being able to see you is when you would wave whenever you would be like, hi, this is Aaliyah. And you'd always wave. And it's just so endearing. I love it so much. And even now, whenever you say hi, I envision you waving because you stopped waving because I think I may have laughed too hard. But that was one of, I think, my favorite moments on the show. (laughs) I love that. I thought you were going to say the fact that it takes me several takes to get anyone's last name. That too. Correct. But I didn't want to the give you a complex over that. And kept saying pace. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's all good though. But what I've learned is that I'm, I talk a good game about just get started and learn as you go, build your parachute after you jump. And this has been one of the biggest lessons for me and just start it and figure it out. I remember when you and I were first trying to record on the platform that we were using and it took us 25 minutes even to figure out how to log in and just seeing our growth from our very first episode to now and that you can figure it out and you're going to fail. You are going to trip over your words. You might not say the right thing. You might not have the right resources, but you just have to get started. I think that's one of the biggest takeaways, like you said. Absolutely. Uh, I guess another thing I've been thinking about is we started this and we said we wanted to give voice and a platform for people who are not always at the table. And I've been thinking a lot about who's at the table and how often I've been at the table and what have I done in those moments when I've had a seat in these rooms. And I don't know if it was the colorism episode or if it was one of the ones we've done more recently, but I've been thinking a lot about at times I have not fully leveraged my seat, probably because I was afraid to lose it. Mm -hmm. Like I was there and I was like, oh, well, let me create harmony. Let me not ruffle too many feathers because it's better for me to be here and have a voice. So then I can go back and get somebody else to come or I can give voice to someone else. And I think this has really changed for me. 
in some ways, for other people to have a voice at the table, it means I might need to get out of the way and give them the space to speak directly about the issues that impact them and the things they want to change. Because me telling it secondhand is not as effective as hearing it from the source. I think in spaces where I am at the table, I'm taking up space if I'm not going to speak what's on my mind and speak my truth. And so this podcast has given me a space to get more comfortable with that. And I feel like I am entering into a new phase of growth in my own voice and saying like, I don't know, the world better watch out because I have a lot more to say and I'm less concerned about how it lands and not ruffling any feathers. Yeah. And in this era right now of addressing racial injustice and and addressing racism and being anti-racist, we have to get uncomfortable on whatever side you are on any conversation. And I've been uncomfortable in a few of the conversations that we've had on Checkbox Outreach where either I didn't know the material, it was a brand new realm for me, or like the colorism conversation made me uncomfortable, right? Because I know I have a certain level of privilege and I also knew going into it that we couldn't speak for everybody on every shade across the the black and brown spectrum. And so I was I was really, really uncomfortable, but... We have to do that. We have to get uncomfortable and we have to know that we're going to be uncomfortable and then be willing to change, take it all in and embrace and move forward. And I think that's something that I never would have anticipated going into this because I know what I'm great at and I typically stay in those lanes and I don't I don't dabble too much on the outside of those lanes if I can help it. Yeah, I feel like that's been a theme that's come through a lot in the sense that if we're going to do the work and I think in most cases we've talked about this is equity work. If we're going to do this work, you have to do some deep self-work and reflection. And the conversations that made me most comfortable was when we first had our conversation with Saquon. And I was almost embarrassed of the fact that I really knew very little about criminal justice reform and the barriers that a person who's been incarcerated faces when they come out. I drank the Kool-Aid that we have a system that's you know built on rehabilitation and second chances and all of these things. And if I go back and listen to that episode, you can tell it was mostly a conversation with you and Saquon because I was <laughs> terrified to jump in. But that forced me to then in future episodes, go do my homework to ask questions, to put myself out there and realize what is it I don't know? Why don't I know it? Like what bubble have I been living in or choosing to stay in that I have not researched these issues or paid any attention to them? We've had a few episodes about criminal justice reform, about reentry. The common theme in everything is racial disparities. What are some of your takeaways in that vein of racial disparities? I guess the biggest for me is just right now, there's a lot of conversation about structural racism. And I think a lot of people don't even know what that term means, but I think there's no way you can listen to our episodes and focus on topics as diverse as HR policy, to justice reform, to school to prison pipeline, to healthcare, and not realize that there are structures in place. There are policies, practices, ways of doing business that reinforce privilege privileges for those who are white and disadvantages for those who are often associated with communities of color. And I think understanding the intentionality behind some of these things really should force all of our listeners to think about when we're talking about policy, when we're talking about system change, when we're talking about our economics, like whatever the case may be, we need to be asking who's creating and making these decisions who's burdened because of them, and then who's benefiting, and what are we going to do to actually change that? So I'm 
think I'm much more focused now on the systems and the roots of inequities within these systems and the people and the cultures that exist that are perpetuating this work within our institutions. The thing I found myself saying over and over again in every episode is talking about implicit bias. And I just really think it's important that people really, really understand what that means and that these are the thoughts and the perceptions that we have of people that are implicit. There are inside thoughts, right? That we categorize people or we look at somebody based on what we've been exposed to in the media or what we've been socially exposed to. And we make an assumption of that person. And that assumption will always impact how you talk to them, how you engage with them, how if you're a business owner or an employee in a business, how you offer services to them. And those are the things that we need to be thinking about. If you pass a black man on the street, are you clutching your bag? It's just important that we we acknowledge that we have it and we work. We stay present when we're engaging with other people to say, wait, is that my bias? Am I putting something on that person that's not really there? And then how do I operate based on facts? Yeah, there's um, a woman. She is a transportation planner and a huge advocate in like transportation equity. Her name's Tamika Butler. And she talks about how when we're looking at implicit bias or we're having conversations around race and racism and our structures, we need to not just lean in, but we need to live in. And I think that really speaks to me and I hope resonates with you as well and what you were saying in that it's not just acknowledging you have these things, but it's sitting and wrestling with that as like, why do I feel that way? What has what have been the experiences in my life? What have been the things I've been told? What are the things I'm reading? What am I learning from my circle of friends? What am I not learning because my circle is so small? But like get uncomfortable and sit in that. Because that's the only way you're going to be able to get in these deeper conversations um, with others. It's it's not about convincing somebody else to believe exactly what you believe in. It's about being exposed to a different conversation or a different take because we all have different lived experiences. And so just you growing up in Pittsburgh, me growing up in Jersey, we have very different lived experiences just based on those two geographic areas, which aren't really that far away from each other. Right. And so it's. How do we understand that and be open and, again, uncomfortable to learn and get outside of that bubble like you mentioned? And I've been guilty of that. I have been working now to step outside of my comfort zone and have different conversations with people who don't think like me, who don't vote the same way I vote, who don't align themselves in the same lanes Because it's important because there's more commonality than there's not. If you don't pay attention to social media and TV, we're all more alike than we're not. Not A lot of us are more alike than we're not. Let me say that. I was actually just in Pittsburgh over the weekend. Um, We went there so that my mom could finally meet her first grandchild. And we're sitting outside and talking to my neighbors. And one of my neighbors, they have always been in our lives, like just amazing people. And whether it was us needing a ride to the grocery store or my mom needing help with her medications or us, you know, just needing an extra meal because money was tight and my mom just did not have enough to make ends meet for that month. They've always been there. And what I mean, even just sitting outside, joking, laughing, like just great people. But they are Trump supporters. And we were having this conversation about I think we were talking about guns and I never knew this. I've lived next to them now, I think most of my life. And they were talking about how they have like several like AK rifles and they get it because they are worried the government may one day take away their guns. And I'm literally sitting there like, shit, 
I don't know how to respond to this. Like, yeah. I, like I don't even know. But we ended up having a really deep conversation. Part of that was because we both weren't trying to change it. I'm not going to go march in their house and go remove these. Because well, you're going to get shot. <laughs> like, this is not going to happen. But I think what I, I raise it because if you're like, I don't think it's for everybody. I think we were able to have that conversation because we've been in each other's lives for so long and there's trust and there's a relationship. But both of us got uncomfortable. Both of us said things we probably wouldn't have said to anyone else. But we asked each other questions. We pushed the boundary and I think really had a positive I don't know, a, a positive experience and understand each other on a deeper, deeper yeah. level. Yeah, I love it. I mean, that's what this is all about, too, right? For people to be exposed to other stories that they might not be hearing on their commuter, they might not be exposed to at the soccer game or at the lacrosse game or at the basketball game. Like we just want to expose and elevate stories that people who are oftentimes overlooked and not at the table. And I'm just I thank you in joining me on this, Aaliyah, because I I don't know. I, I can't think of, honestly, a, a, a better person that I would have rather have done this with than you. I mean, and I didn't even hesitate when I asked you to do it, right? Like, Aaliyah, you're, you're just going to be my co-host. <laughs> you're going to be great. I feel like it's funny because when you text me, I was in this mindset that was like, I'm getting ready to have a baby. Aaliyah, do not take on anything else. You sit here and you like keep this moment. <laughs> and then I literally was like, it's a sign from God. God wants me to do this. I've been just trying to work with Katie forever. And I'm so glad it worked out. And that we get to do this. Yeah. It is amazing. Well, so, so real in, quick, oh. I'm going to, oh, I was going to put you on the spot. I was going to say, reflecting back on all the episodes so far, what's like your number one takeaway or like call to action? One thing. The number one call to action is for, I think there's kind of, it's twofold, right? For people to pay attention and take action. And so not be in your bubble and not say, oh, I'm going to leave that for somebody else to advocate for. I'm, I'm going to leave that for somebody else to blow the whistle. No, you, you now know it's your responsibility to act accordingly. So email your legislators, get involved politically, talk to your neighbors. I mean, the action piece has to follow because otherwise we're just going to get more of the same. There are great people out there doing this work. You don't have to be the subject matter expert. We've had Melanie Bates. We've had Edgar Jatu. We've had Ariel Guerrero. We've had really awesome people who are so, and I'm not discrediting any of their guests, but we just have people who are out here doing this every single day. Reach out, learn, and act. That's it. It's so it's simple. And to that point, I just want to say, not only have we had great people, we then ask them to recommend other people. So the episodes will keep going and going and going because there's just even more great people that we don't know about and that we now get the chance to be exposed to. Yeah. So, so I think those are amazing takeaways. In the vein of moving the needle, taking action, I mean, what... Because we are about, you know, Aaliyah and Katie, tell us what's next. What's the cheat code, right? What is the blueprint for people who are like, I listened and now what? Like the end of Finding Nemo when they get it to now what? Like, what, what do you do? So I would offer up two things. If there's an episode you listen to and you are inspired by that person, you are passionate about the work they're doing and you want to get involved, there's a reason why we ask the question, how can our listeners stay in touch with you? People want to build those relationships and I would imagine might want to collaborate with you. So my first thing would be reach out. You know, we've talked about some of our guests need a website. 
Some of our guests need access to capital. Some of our guests need spaces to do work. If you can offer those things or you know someone who can, this is the time to reach out. So I would say take them up when they put their phone number, their Twitter, whatever it is that they put out there, contact them. The other thing would be, again, if there's an issue that really spoke to you and you want to learn more, do some research. Find out who, you know, find out what your local elected officials, your state officials, what's their position on these topics? What are they doing? Is there a piece of legislation that you might be able to get behind? Is there a nonprofit or another group that's advocating for change in that space? And then really figure out how you can dedicate your time and resources to um, help move forward the work that they're trying to do. And then lastly, I would say at a minimum, I would say vote. Like research who is on the ballot because every topic we've talked about from COVID and public health measures to housing, to transportation, food insecurity, all of that is shaped by decision makers in your community. And so be paying attention and make your vote count for somebody who's going to take action in a way that's aligned with your values. Vote and bring three people with you to vote and then have them bring three people. Your car is going to be packed, but do what you got to do. Wear masks, wear (laughs) masks. Yes, please. The other thing before we close out, I do want to say just so people know, you and I are also taking that action. So we're sharing episodes with our local elected officials, as well as providing a script for our guests to reach out to their elected officials. So I just want to give a quick shout out to Congressman Don Byers' office. A representative from his office was receptive, jumped on the phone. We had a conversation specifically about SBA money not being available to people with criminal histories, which update, they actually just changed some of the regulations and did lift some of the barriers. So people with criminal histories now can apply. So shout out to the people that were involved in that. And then also City of Alexandria Vice Mayor Elizabeth Bennett Parker, very receptive. She put us in her newsletter, but also we're having a conversation next week on how we can really change the conversation and move the move the needle forward. So shout out to those two people or their offices because we we need elected officials to be responsive and to actually listen and take it serious. Exactly. I guess with that, I would just say, folks, we're just getting started. So if you like what you hear, keep listening. Um, Leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify. It helps us spread the word about what we're doing and elevate the stories of the amazing people we've had on so far. So thank you, Aaliyah. Love you so much. Thank you, Katie.